Welcome to Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. My name is Christopher Locke. I'm the IBPA Membership Director, and I'm also the host of this program. Okay, so if you optimize your book properly for Amazon, it could lead to excellent sales. But likewise, if you do not, it could lead to really hurting your chances at succeeding on the platform. Also, uh, advertising on Amazon can be a really powerful tool, but same thing, it can be complicated. Don't fret, on today's Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA, we've invited Greenleaf Book Group's marketing manager, Chelsea Richards, to share her expertise with Amazon opti um, optimization and ads. Well, hello, Chelsea, how are you? Hi, Chris, thanks for having me today. Of course, you have uh, like all this knowledge that I'm, I want to like get from your brain and share with uh, our members and all those indie publishers out there. Um, people are always asking questions about Amazon and so this that that's what this episode is. It's just all these different things. Okay, so uh, I want to start with how to optimize your books for Amazon. Um, so we'll go into more details, but just in like general terms, like what are the kind of the main things that you look to to quote unquote optimize a book for Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say if an author has um, doesn't have an existing author central profile, say this is their very first book that they're putting out, um, the first step that we would take is to set up an author central profile for them or that an author should take if they are uh, independently publishing their book. Um, they should set an up set up an author central profile that's directly connected uh, to their book page on Amazon that will include their author photo and author bio. Um, but then there's the opportunity for them to add additional content. So um, photos from speaking engagements, book signings, um, if they have a launch party, that can be added there. If they create any brief video content to promote the book, that can also be uploaded. Um, and that's kind of just a nice hub for additional content about them as the author um, that, that lives on Amazon and directly connects to their book page. Um, the next step would be to select relevant browse categories uh, and keywords for their book. Um, so browse categories are essentially the way that Amazon genre shelves books, um, similar to genre shelving in a brick and mortar bookstore. Um, but because those category options are digital, of course, the authors then have a lot more options available to them than they would um, in a brick and mortar bookstore. So they should be looking for categories that, of course, align with the core content of their book. Um, but then they can also look into the other books that are uh, listed within those categories to make sure that the types of books listed in those categories align with their content and align with the types of readers that their book is suit suitable for. Um, and then lastly, their, their keywords. Um, the keywords should be, um, of course, keywords that a consumer might be searching if they were looking for a book like theirs. Um, and that helps to promote discoverability when a consumer is searching for their book on Amazon. Awesome. So I had a question. Now, Greenleaf Book Group is a hybrid publisher. So um, one question about the author central page. So mm -hmm. if you're any publisher, do you set that up for your author or the author still sets that up? Like, how does that work? Yep. So uh, for, for our authors um, under Greenleaf's model, um, the great majority of our authors do sign up uh, for the Amazon optimization initiative um, with us. So that's part of their marketing package um, and we'll set that up for them. Um, but if an author isn't working with a hybrid publisher or a traditional publisher and they're self-publishing, they can certainly still set that up via Author Central. Um, that's accessible to, to any publisher, um, whether that's through um, 
like I said, traditional or hybrid, or if they're a self-published author, um, that platform is still available to them. And that page is, I'm an author publisher, so I have Mm -hmm. my own. So that page is really set up like if you have like multiple books, like people look you up and they'll see all your books there. Um, And if they type your name in, that'll come up. Um, Let's say like if you didn't have that and you just had like your book up there, like how does it quote unquote hurt you um, if you don't have this author central page? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, I I saw this with uh, an author who was publishing recently, um, who had um, a book that was um, titled, had the same title as another book that had published a year previous. Um, And this was prior to us um, kind of performing the optimization initiatives. um, And that older book was actually outranking her book. Um, Mm -hmm. That older book did have an author central profile set up and it did have, of course, categories and keywords assigned um, and also another component that triggers Amazon's um, algorithm and, and what books it brings up in search results are reviews. Um, so that book kind of had a leg up on hers. Um, her book published today um, and is now outranking that other title um, by the same title because of that optimization that we did because of setting up the author central profile and because of selecting relevant categories and keywords. And so for that author central page, then what about the like author bio and things like that? Are there things like someone should do to like make that like the most awesome thing possible? Yeah, I mean, I would say that for for the bio, um, they should really be looking at, um, of course, uh, putting in all of their professional accomplishments and achievements. Um, if they're a business author, um, if they have um, other business titles that they've published or other fiction titles that they've published, if they're a fiction author, they should be incorporating all of that in. But they should also be thinking about um, the different keywords that are associated with their book and their content and how they could kind of populate that into their bio as well. Um, Unfortunately, you can't put any uh, URL information in Mm -hmm. Author Central. Um, But if you do have an existing website, you can and you're um, actively sharing a blog on that website, you can enter your blog URL into Author Central. And then that will automatically populate a new blog post within 24 hours of the blog um, going live on the author's website. Mm. So that's a way to get um, kind of external links into the author's central profile and kind of go around uh, Amazon's um, kind of prohibiting of the URLs in the bio or in the book description. That that gives you an opportunity to have that kind of URL linking out from the author's central profile. And and this is a question I was going to ask for later for the Amazon ads, but I'll ask that here too. So if your book is Let's say you you post it through Ingram Spark, um, and or versus posting it directly through KDP. Does that affect whether or not you can or cannot have an author central page? That shouldn't affect it at all. You should be, you should be able to have an author central regardless of who uh, your book is printed and published through. Oh, okay, great. Okay, so keywords. You keep mentioning that, and I know they're huge. So let's talk about keywords. Um, how if someone has a book, like how are they supposed to figure out what are the best keywords for their book? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, first and foremost, you're going to put your reader hat on, right? You're going to think, okay, if I'm a reader and I'm looking for this type of content, what would I be searching? Um, What pain points am I addressing? Um, What um, interest am I addressing? And and then you're going to look into Amazon's um, predictive text. Mm 
you're going to type type in those different keywords and then um, in Amazon search bar. And then that's going to give you a whole different variety of um, options for what consumers are searching within that um, keyword phrase. Um, and then you're going to look at the different types of books and content that comes up when you're searching for those different keywords to see if that aligns with the content of your book. Um, for Greenleaf, we, we utilize a tool called Publisher Rocket, um, and that gives us a lot of um, data into what consumers are searching. We're able to see, um, because the way consumers search on Amazon is not always um, the way that they would search on Google or on any other platform, and it's not always intuitive um, how they would search on Amazon. So. We, we utilize that um, for our research on keywords and categories, and that enables us to see, um, for the keyword side of things, we're able to see the average number of monthly searches for different keywords um, and keyword phrases. Um, we're also able to see um, how competitive that keyword is. So um, how many other pages of products show up when you search for a particular keyword, um, the average number of sales um, that those different keywords are associated with um, for the different products that come up. Um, and then it also gives us a competitive score. So we're able to see if it's in the green, um, that, that basically indicates to us, okay, this, this title or this um, keyword isn't that competitive competitive, um, but perhaps it's driving a large volume of monthly sales. So those, those are the types of keywords we're looking for, ones that don't have a ton of competition, um, but do then generate um, a high volume of monthly sales as a result. And, and this is, do you pay for this? What, what is that called again? It's called Publisher Rocket. So yes, it, it is a paid service, um, but that's what we utilize to get that data um, and that informs our recommendations to our authors. Okay. And then, so that's just some other separate third-party company and it's just some tool. I mean, are there other tools out there that, what, what do they, they somehow, how do they know how Amazon works with keywords? <laughs> or, or maybe you don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I'm sure there are many other tools <laughs> out there. That's uh, just the one that we have been utilizing over the past couple of years. Um, and that's, you know, due to whatever their proprietary relationship is with Amazon mm. um, and having access to that data. Um, but it, it's certainly a really valuable resource for us. Um, and I would say certainly also a really valuable re resource for um, other small publishers as well. And okay, in terms of keywords, mm -hmm. now you mentioned keyword like phrase. Mm -hmm. So these are not necessarily one word. Like you Correct. Can, how many words can a keyword be? Uh, it can be up to 50 characters. Okay, I see. So it can mm -hmm. be, so you all like, you just figure out like whatever phrase, like for example, my books are about animals. So like animal rights. So that's mm -hmm. a phrase, uh, but it's yep. not just one word. And then um, you just see how well that's doing. Um, you know, one thing I was trying to figure out is like, there's so many factors that go into sales. So mm -hmm. like, how do you know, like, I guess you have that tool, but like, I'm like, how do you know if this one keyword is working versus another, you know, based on like, I got 10 sales today, or I got two sales or zero or something. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you know if it's directly related to those keywords? Yeah. So the, the most visibility that we have on how our keywords and our categories are performing is when we set up Amazon targeted ads for authors. Um, because the Amazon targeted ads um, can be targeted based on categories, keywords, and um, best-selling titles or comparable titles within the author's genre. Um, and then through our dashboard, um, 
uh, the Amazon ads dashboard, we are able to see a lot of granular information on the performance of those ads. So we're not only able to see how many impressions and clicks um, a different keyword or category is generating, we're also able to see how that's converting into a sale. Um, and then we're able to see Again, with the competition side of things, um, whether we need to increase or decrease our bid for a particular um, target based on the performance of those, those ads um, and based on how our different keywords and categories are competing uh, against other titles that are targeting those same categories and keywords. I think that's really interesting that the Amazon ads keywords then informs the keywords you change in KDP. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So something when I started thinking about this podcast that I got worried about was I was like, oh, my gosh, should I be changing my keywords like often? Because I don't <laughs> feel like I ever change them. So how often do you change these keywords for these books? Yeah, absolutely. So we recommend um, looking at your keywords on a quarterly basis um, and then and then making updates um, at that kind of frequency. Um, we don't recommend doing it much, much more often than that because that's not giving the algorithm time to process um, those keywords um, and for you to get any kind of reliable data on how well those keywords are performing and resonating with consumers. Okay. Well, I could ask more about keywords, but let's move <laughs> on to uh, categories. Okay, so how do you pick the quote unquote right categories for your books? Yep. So um, again, similar similar to keywords, we're we're looking at okay. So what what is this book about? Your book is about animals, so we're going to start with kind of a parent category. Um, so the we're going to look at um, books that are within that parent category of animals, and then we're going to see the different subcategories that are available to us within that parent or umbrella category. Um, if it's a fiction title, we're going to look at the different subcategories available. Is it genre fiction? Is it memoir? Um, and then we're going to look at the various subcategories available beneath those different parent categories. Um, primary goal with that is, of course, um, content alignment. Um, it's really important to make sure that we're um, categorizing and shelving our titles within um, within Amazon categories that align with the core content so that when a consumer is searching within those different categories um, and they're finding our books within them, um, that it aligns with what their expectations are for that different category. Um, but then we're also looking at, like I said, the competition within those different categories. Um, so that's where that tool, Publisher Rocket, that I mentioned comes in handy. Um, because in addition to um, us being able to see the data around the keywords, we're also able to see data around categories. Um, and with that data, we're able to see the average number of sales needed within a 24-hour period to reach the top 10 in a given category. Um, so this is this is Amazon bestseller status. Um, so the the Amazon bestseller um, ranking means that a book is in the top 100 um, books in a particular category. Um, those rankings are based not only on sales, but they're based on traffic to the book page and activity on the book page, um, like ratings and reviews. All of that influences those bestseller rankings. Um, and those rankings do update hourly. Um, so it's a very fluid um, ranking and, and possible for an author to hit um, a bestseller status in one hour um, and then potentially not be in that top 100 in the next hour. Um, that's pretty atypical um, during 
publication day or publication week. So that's why um, we pay very close attention to our authors' rankings, um, you know, throughout their marketing campaigns, but especially on pub day and pub week. Um, and then we we take screenshots of those rankings if and when our authors do hit bestseller status. Um, and then we advise them on the best ways to promote that. So adding that bestseller ranking to their book description, um, sharing that via their newsletter if they have one, um, and of course, sharing that across social media as well. Yeah, because I was going to ask about the bestsellers. Um, so like, are people going on Amazon and clicking on bestsellers and then like that's how they're searching? Or is it more for like really almost like quote unquote bragging rights where it's like, guess who made a bestseller list, you know, and then you use that in your marketing. Yeah, I would say it's a mixture of both. Um, so people are looking at the top 100 books in a given category um, to see what's what's ranking, um, what's new and notable in those categories, because there's also um, a hot new releases um, ranking that an author can potentially hit. Um, in addition to that bestseller ranking, um, those are a lot more fluid as well, um, because as new books are added onto Amazon, um, then you've got the competition of those new books being added um, and the potential of those kind of outranking you in the top new releases. Um, but you'll see if, if your book does hit a new release, um, you'll see a little orange flag that appears at the top um, next to your book title that says number one new release in XYZ category. Um, so that's that's great for discoverability. Um, great to have a screenshot of that. Um, but that's also great to then drive traffic um, to your book page from those um, new release uh, pages and from the bestseller listings for the different categories. Um, and then, of course, like you said, yeah, bragging rights. It's, it's great to be able to say that your book hit bestseller. Um, but the real benefit of it is that that bestseller ranking is what triggers Amazon's algorithm to recommend the book to customers that have a browsing and purchase history in your book genre. Um, so we've all seen the customers who also bought and you might also like recommendation carousels. Um, hitting bestseller ranking is one of the ways that you can trigger Amazon's algorithm to recommend your book in those uh, in those recommendation carousels and, and really make Amazon work for you in terms of you know, essentially pre free promotion for your book. Yeah. And how long does that last? Like, because uh, I don't want to brag, but I have mm. had the number one in my category. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm like, uh, like, uh, like a year later, is it still doing the recommendation thing? Or is that like kind of short lived, like for the next day? Yeah, so it, it's really for the um, the length that your book stays in that, um, not necessarily the number one slot, but as, as long as your book is staying within the top 100 of a particular category, um, that continues to trigger um, Amazon's uh, algorithm to recommend the book. Um, but then another component of that is, which we'll talk about as well, is reviews. Um, so there's kind of thresholds on um, once you hit a certain number of reviews, um, 50 reviews is kind of the first one. Then when you get to 100 reviews, um, those are not only visual cues um, for readers who are looking at your book page to say, okay, this, this book has got um, you know, a substantial amount of reviews, um, and I'm able to see the social proof um, from other customers who have bought um, and and reviewed the book. Um, but that then also is another cue for Amazon's algorithm um, to then recommend the book when they see um, that traffic and, and reviews um, being generated for the book. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about categories uh, before we get too far off that. So sure. you were mentioning 
digging deep, right? The niche mm -hmm. categories. So yeah. let's say you have like action and adventure, but there's subcategories within that survival stories, all that stuff. But like, should you stick with that over higher level action adventure or should you always keep digging, digging, digging till the most niche category? Like what's the benefits of either one? Yeah. I would say that it's good to have a mix um, of some of those kind of mid-level um, categories as well as some of the more niche categories. Um, because while um, you, the, the further you delve into the different subcategory options, um, the less competition that you have um, in, as a general rule of thumb. Um, but that also means that there are likely less people searching within mm. those, those niche categories, right? So you want to make sure that you have a good cross-section of categories um, that are attached to your book. Um, and the really good thing about this is that um, with your, if you have a both a print and Kindle edition of your book, um, Amazon's categories um, vary between the print and Kindle editions. Um, so sometimes authors can be concerned about that because they'll think, okay, if I'm, you know, shelving my book in these five categories on the print edition, I want to have corresponding categories to shelve on the Kindle edition. And that in some cases does work out, um, but not in all. And that's really not a bad thing um, because I would say to authors, the, the thing about um, having that variation between the print and Kindle editions is that it gives readers more opportunities to find your book via um, the different category paths um, in those two different formats. Um, so like I was saying, a good cross-section of the more mid-range um, subcategories, um, as well as when appropriate, the, the more niche categories when it aligns with the content of the book, um, that's going to give you kind of the best opportunity to one, hit bestseller status in a particular category, but then also be reaching a broader market with those more mid-range um, and higher range categories. Yeah, because I was wondering, you know, sometimes you go on your the book page and then you see the rankings, right? Mm -hmm. Like number 200 in this category, but then number 50,000 in another one. Like, <laughs> I was just like, gosh, is that 50,000 look bad or that's don't worry about that? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in, um, you know, a, a really broad category like literature and fiction, um, you can look onto that category and see how many books are shelved within that category. Um, so if you select a particular category and then you scroll down, um, Amazon will show you the number of books um, that are tagged within that particular category. Um, and if it, I, I think the threshold is a hundred thousand, but it might be, it might be more than that. Um, but they'll tell you that there are over a hundred thousand or, um, however many books within that category. Um, so that's going to indicate to you just how many books are shelved within that and how much competition there is. Um, whereas when you get into those, um, more niche categories, yeah, you, you might see that, only 50 books are shelved within that category. Um, so there is some value to, um, to hitting um, a bestseller ranking within those more niche categories because you can say that you've hit that ranking, um, but it's also important to have that good cross-section so that you make sure you're, you're getting the eyeballs um, from the larger categories um, and then still giving yourself the opportunity to potentially hit bestseller status in a more niche category. Yeah, and I wanted to ask the same thing I asked about keywords, which is, should you be changing your categories? Um, and, and if so, how often? 
Yeah. So with the categories um, on on our end, we upload um, actually eight browse categories um, for the print edition um, and eight for the Kindle edition. Um, Amazon will only ever display a book's top two to three categories that they're ranking in. Um, so again, I, I would follow that same rule of thumb um, on a quarterly basis, just checking in on how the book is performing, whether you've been able to um, secure bestseller status and or maintain bestseller status. Um, and if those have proven elusive for a quarter, um, look at look at um, updating those categories, look at what other options are available to you because Amazon does change um, those category offerings quite frequently. Um, so there's they're they're constantly building out. Um, they're not really getting rid of categories. It's that they're building and and offering new categories and new ways for readers to find books. Um, so I would definitely say looking at them on a quarterly basis to see what kind of updates you can make and if there are other categories that um, might be resonating with readers better if you adjust them uh, at that time. Yeah, I do want to get to Amazon advertising. I have a few more questions about uh, optimizing your book. So one is in terms of keywords in your description. So I will say that, yes, I know keywords are supposed to be important in the description, but sometimes it feels very forced. Mm -hmm. And the, I, you want to me, I want a description to be like, succinct and like really sharp and like really sell the book and with certain phrases you're like but that just feels clunky so is it so important to have keywords in your description that like whatever you know even if it reads clunky like just get them all in there I would not recommend doing that. <laughs> Definitely not recommend. I would I would say it's more important for um, you know, readability obviously for the for the um consumer um and for that book description to be um, you know, a representative of the content of the book, um engaging to um to tap into why the reader is interested in this book, what they would be looking for, what the key takeaways are, um and then, you know, what specific differentiators your book has as compared to other titles, um, you know, within the same genre and that are covering similar topics. Um, I would also say that if the book um, does, like I, I said earlier, if the book hits Amazon bestseller status, it's great to add that um, to the top of the book description. Um, but if the book has any really strong endorsements, um, from someone who's got a recognizable name, recognizable title or company. Um, that's also great to include. Um, you can include that in the book description um, or include that in the editorial reviews section. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I do see like whatever Kirkus or some blur mm -hmm. by Stephen King or something. And I don't always see that though in the, um, the description. So I was wondering like how important is that Um so if you got it, you're saying add it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So have that um, in the editorial um, reviews section on your book page. Um, if you've got a really standout one, um, that would be great to add to the book description. Um, and then if you've got a website, social media, um, use those to your advantage um, and be sure to put them out um, across your online presence. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and then um, I wanted to move on to Amazon advertising. Um, so uh, the, the first thing I wanted to ask is, um, okay, can you, if let's say your book is posted directly through Kindle Direct Publishing, or it was posted onto like Ingram Spark, and then it was distributed to Amazon, do you have to have your book directly posted onto KDP in order to do Amazon advertising? 
So Amazon um, recently opened up uh, Amazon advertising um, across the board. Um, it was in March that they opened up the advertising opportunity across the board to um, to all Amazon publishers. So um, I would have to look in to see um, whether you can whether you can run those ads if you're published via Ingram. Um, but certainly if your book is set up through KDP um, and you, you're a self-published author, um, you absolutely have access. And that access is via your author central profile um, to set up those Amazon targeted ads. Okay. And then as a hybrid publisher, then you have access to your author's author central page, basically. So we actually run the, the targeted ads for our authors um, via our publisher account. Um, okay. So, and we had been doing that for many years um, prior to uh, Amazon then making that accessible um, to to all authors and publishers uh, in March of this year. Oh. So, ours is th is run through our publisher account, um, but it does it, it does open up the opportunity for um, uh, for for more authors and publishers um, to set up and run those ads on their own as well. Mm, okay, okay. So, one reason you mentioned to me in advance uh, of this that you like Amazon advertising is because you said that you get a lot of data from mm -hmm. that versus other advertising through other. So, like, what, what's this specific data you're talking about that other places uh, you can't get? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sales, exactly what we're talking about, the topic of, uh, um, of this interview, um, you have access to direct sales data, um, whereas you don't have that access if you're going to be doing advertising through um, Facebook or LinkedIn, for instance. Um, because once you leave those platforms um, and the, the consumer then goes on to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever retailer that you're driving traffic to, you then don't have access to that proprietary customer data. Mm. Um, because the Amazon ads are running directly at point of sale on Amazon, um, and Amazon then provides you with that data um, so that you can see the number of sales that your book is, um, your, your ads are driving for your book. Um, which is ultimately what every author wants to know and what publishers want to know. Is my advertising successful? Um, is my advertising driving and converting to sales? Um, and then uh, Amazon also, um, like I was talking about earlier, um, gives you recommendations on your bid strategy. Um, so should you increase or decrease your bids for different categories, keywords, or um, different products, um, based on the competition for those targets um, and based on the conversion rate. So what we look at when we're setting up and running um, advertising campaigns, we, we typically, um, we're, we're monitoring them on a weekly basis um, and we're looking to see um, how many impressions the, um, the particular target is driving. Is that then converting to clicks? And, and then are those clicks ultimately driving sales? Um, but we typically will let those run for one to two weeks, um, as long as we aren't, you know, losing money. Um, i.e., uh, we're we're spending a lot of money on the clicks, um, and then that's not generating sales. We don't want to see that happening um, because you're only utilizing your advertising budget when somebody actually clicks on your ad. Your impressions are free, um, and obviously, it takes more than just one impression, more than one one time of a person seeing your ad um, before they're going to make a decision. Um, on average, it takes seven to nine impressions before a person will make a buying decision. Um, so the more impressions that you can get for your book, the more eyeballs that you can get on your book through that advertising, the better. Um, and then 
And then we'll look at, okay, so the, the ads have been running for one to two weeks. Um, these particular targets are um, converting well. Great. Then we're going to have our focus be on those particular targets. These targets have driven impressions um, and they're not costing us anything in terms of clicks. So that's great as well because that's driving traffic to the book page. Um, and then if there's another bucket of these, these particular targets um, have been driving clicks, um, but they're spending our budget and they're not converting to sales. Then we look at how can we adjust those targets? Um, you know, how can we adjust um, the different keywords? Do we need to tweak the keywords that we're targeting? Do we need to tweak the, uh, the products that we're targeting? Or do we need to tweak our advertising copy um, relative to those, those categories and keywords so that we see a better conversion rate? Yeah, so I wanted to ask about that. So how can you tell, I mean, it's just, I mean, in terms of like the ads, how well they're working or the keyword, how well that's mm -hmm. working. Like, I guess just because that's the ad people are clicking on and then buying, like you go, uh, the word monkey is working really well for this book. Mm -hmm. um, so is that, that's how it works? So yeah, we, because we will do hundreds of keywords um, to start out with. Um, so we're looking at how each of those keywords is performing. Um, and if, if a certain iteration of a keyword, right, we were talking about keyword phrases, if a certain iteration of a keyword is not driving impressions, is not driving clicks, um, after one to two weeks, we know we can go ahead and turn it off at that point, because we've got five or so other variations of that keyword phrase and the top two to three variations are driving those impressions, they're driving the clicks and then they're actually converting to sales. So with the data, you're able to see granularly what each keyword that you have targeted, um, what the results are of, of that, um, that different keyword targeting, the specific impressions, clicks, and sales that are directly resulting. Um, and then you're also able to monitor your, um, your CPC, your cost per click. So how much are you paying um, each time a consumer is clicking on that particular um, on, on your ad via that particular target, whether that's category, keyword, or um, product. And I'm assuming these are the same keywords you use when you, like in your when you're posting the book. Or are you like like trying to like copy that, or are you just using other keywords? Or you're expanding well beyond that um, because when when we're doing the Amazon optimization, we're able to upload up to seven keyword phrases. Um, when we're setting up the Amazon targeted ads, um, we're um, targeting hundreds of different mm -hmm. keywords. Mm. So we certainly use that um, as a jumping off point um, with the, the keywords that we did um, for the Amazon optimization. I also look at the categories and how those categories can then be made into keyword form um, and, and use that. Um, but then again, uh, I'm just looking at what are the different iterations of this keyword um, and, and what would I be searching if I were um, a reader uh, looking for this type of content? Um, so for instance, books, books about XYZ um, seems to be really be something that really a keyword phrase or a, a structure of keyword um, that really works well um, and that we've seen across genres work well um, in the results that we get back from Publisher Rocket, um, but then also in um, the targeting when we're doing the Amazon targeted ads. That seems to be uh, a structure that consumers are using when they're searching for content on Amazon. Mm, okay, great. Thank you. Um, and there are different types of Amazon ads. 
So mm -hmm. like, have you found that for books, there's a specific type of Amazon ad that works or is it really just, you just try them all out and then some books work for this one. And I mean, is there anything that you can tell us that might people can start with? Yeah. So um, there, there are um, a variety of different types of, of Amazon ads that you can set up. So you can set up ads um, based on, like I said, categories, keywords, and best-selling titles within a book genre. Um, but you can set up um, ads that are manual, um, meaning that you are targeting the specific um, category, keyword, and products, or um, that are automatic, where Amazon is selecting the different products um, that are going to be targeted through those ads. So we set up a variety of different ads um, for each campaign. We set up some automatic advertising um, that ties into um, what Amazon sees um, customers browsing and purchase history within that genre. Um, but then we also set up those manual ads. Um, they're sponsored display ads and sponsored product ads. And so um, those can be set up both manually or um, via that automatic um, targeting with Amazon. And we set up, we set up both. Um, I will say that Amazon's um, automatic targeting um, across the board really does perform well because they're using their data, right? They're using their consumer data. They're using their algorithm. Um, so they're looking at um, categories, keywords um, that are closely aligned with the content or even loosely aligned with the content. Um, and then you can see um, similar to what you would see with your um manual keyword targeting, you can see those close match, loose match, um, and direct correlation um, targeting that they have on the manual, or, sorry, excuse me, on the automatic ads um, to see how those different buckets of targeting are performing, um, and then optimize your ads based on um, what's converting versus what's not driving those, uh, those clicks and sales. Hmm. Yeah. And so um, I've seen under like a book, it'll you know, products related to this item. Mm -hmm. And last time I checked, like for my books, like it was all books listed and both said sponsored. Mm -hmm. So what type of ad is that? And how can you like, okay, I want to do that, that thing, that products related to this item thing. Yep. So that's a sponsored display ad. Um, so when you're, when you're seeing an ad that is showing up on a similar product page, um, that's, that's a sponsored display ad. Um, so um, the other, the other type of the, ad, uh, the other type of ad is the sponsored products ad. Um, and so that's going to show up, um, when a consumer is doing a keyword search. Um, so you'll see, um, typically at the top of your search results, you'll see those, those few, um, books that list sponsored, um, when you're searching, um, via keywords. But then if you're on a books page and then you're seeing, um, a sponsored book show up as a result of that, that's the sponsored display advertising. Um, and again, I would recommend a mixture of both, um, so that you are reaching consumers, whether they're searching, um, via, uh, the keyword function or whether they're looking at, um, books that are similar to yours. And can you specifically pick, let's say, I think my book would be a good fit for people that like Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. Can you specifically say, I want it to show up under Hunger Games? 
you can target Hunger Games, but um, there's again going to be a ton of competition um, and a ton of other um, products that are targeting um, Hunger Games as well. Um, so that's where you're going to have to look at your um, your cost per click and your budget um, for your ad campaign and how much you're willing to pay um, when someone is going to click on that ad. So when you're targeting more high profile um, books and when you're targeting um, really popular categories as well, you're going to see that cost per click and Amazon will, um, will indicate what their suggested or recommended um, bid is for whatever target you're populating, um, you can adjust that. You don't have to take their recommendation, um, but that's going to tell you what the market is for that particular target. Um, on and on our ads, we really look to keep our um, our CPC under a dollar. A dollar or less is what we're looking for on our CPC. Um, in some instances, we'll go over. Um, you know, we'll we'll bid higher than that where appropriate. Um, but that's what we're looking to maintain um, in terms of our campaign efficiency. Yeah, and you said you check them every one to two weeks, and like um, you're basing it then not you're basing on the cost, not as much on like you have five sales versus like I don't know twenty five sales or something. It's more like okay, is this one winning to get these types of clicks? So we're looking, we're looking at what's um, driving clicks, but we're also looking at what's converting to sales. And we're also looking at, um, there is uh, a metric called your ACOS, which is the advertising cost of sale. So we're closely monitoring that as well to make sure um, that the campaign is efficient. Um, so anything under 100% means that you are selling more um, in, in terms of dollar sales, then your, whatever your advertising budget is to promote the book. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the primary threshold that we're looking at. We obviously want to be generating more dollar sales um, in terms of book sales than we are spending to advertise the product. So I tried doing um, Amazon advertising on my own and I got overwhelmed very quickly. <laughs> and it's easy to do. Everything that you're talking about right now is a reminder why I got so overwhelmed. And it's like, it's like I almost feel like you have to hire someone like you, like, because you just know all ACSU, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know what all this stuff means. Like, so, and I, I've heard you can, like, like you were saying, you can, like, start losing money because mm -hmm. you're like have whatever certain words and you don't have like a time limit on it and next thing you know you're like oh my god I'm not making sales but I just spent like a hundred dollars in two days and so it just it feels overwhelming I mean this is great information but I, like I was hoping I'd feel less overwhelmed <laughs> but I feel yeah, there, yeah, there's, a lot, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into it um, and you know Myself and, and my team, um, we make sure that we stay up to date on, um, you know, all of the latest trends on Amazon targeted ads. And um, we've all um, taken courses and, and gotten certifications um, in the Amazon advertising. Um, and, and we maintain those certifications as there's new um, training available to us. Um, so it's it's definitely something that um, that does take time um, and and can be labor intensive if you haven't had that training. Um, so it's it's important to if you're going to be setting those up 
um, on your own and you don't have a publisher or a partner um, who is trained in Amazon advertising to make sure that you review um, that material, um, which is is available now um, to authors as well um, via their Author Central portals um, so that they can get at least um, kind of a 101 intro into, okay, how do I set these up and, and how do I make sure I'm not just throwing money away um, and, and not generating um, any ROI for, for the campaign. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you, so does someone have to have, you're a hybrid publisher, does someone have to have published their book through Greenleaf to be able to hire you all to do this marketing? Or my books I self-published, for example, um, could I use y'all or whatever, hire you all to do the marketing for, like for Amazon and stuff? Like, How, how does that work? Yeah. So with the Amazon ads, we have to have the book in our, um, in our, in our platform and our dashboard in order to be, um, able to set up those ads for them. Um, because, um, since they are kind of like, we would be the publisher of record for the, um, for the books that are within our dashboard. That's how we utilize, um, our publisher dashboard to set up those ads. Um, theoretically, we could set them up um, via an author's author central, um, but we're not really, um, we, we haven't really delved into that space yet. We, you know, we're keeping our primary focus on working with um, authors who are publishing with us and then marketing their books with us as well. Yeah, no problem. I guess it's just hopeless for people. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's fine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you just really seem to know your stuff. So, um, you know, it's it's helpful to feel like you know there are people you can reach out to. But I'm glad I'm glad your authors are going to be taken care of. <laughs> um, so, look, we were going to also talk about reviews, but uh, we've we've talked a bit and we are running out of time. Um, <laughs> so, I wanted to see you know if there's anything else, just kind of about Am Amazon optimization or Amazon ads that you wanted to bring up that you thought would be helpful and you know that's like okay before we close this out we gotta mention that <clears throat> i think i think we've touched on the high points um on both optimization and ads um so just just to speak really quickly um to reviews because reviews is the other um component that drives the that amazon bestseller ranking um making sure that you have um, a review generating component for your marketing campaign is really important um not only for um you know, driving that awareness, um, but for creating that kind of um, social proof that I was mentioning earlier. Um, if a consumer goes to your book page and it published, you know, a year ago and it has five reviews, um, it, it doesn't speak very well for the content. Um, it doesn't speak very well for how consumers um, have A, found the content um, and have B, reacted to the content. So it's really important for authors to tap into um, to their networks, to, um, to ask their networks um, to buy a copy of the book, to share um, a review on Amazon, and, you know, let them know that that's the best way that they can support them in their book. Um, but then there's, there's also ways to tap into um, review communities. Um, so like NetGalley, um, and I know IBPA works with NetGalley, obviously. Um, so NetGalley is an online community for professional readers. Um, so that's that's a great way um, to tap into that community of booksellers, librarians, um, teachers, bloggers, journalists, um, and, and get the book into their hands. And then for um, more consumer-focused um, review efforts, um, Goodreads would be my other recommendation is um, setting up giveaways, whether those be print or Kindle. 
um, via that Goodreads community um, to, to drive awareness with them and to also drive ratings and reviews. Great. We got a little bonus review uh, at the end there. Um, yeah, I mean, I might even see if you'll come back on at some later date and we can go more into reviews. But um, well, that's it for today, my friends. Um, we uh, we really appreciate you all for listening, and uh, we hope that you want to become a member of IBPA. We got all kinds of great uh, resources like this. Um, go to ibpa-online.org. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, new episodes drop the last Thursday of every month. Chelsea, uh, this is excellent information. Uh, I learned a lot, um, and you know, uh, I, don't worry, I'm not too overwhelmed. It was helpful. Um, I, it's just there. At some point, you start to feel like, oh my gosh, this is over my head. Like you, you need like someone who's an expert on this. Like the, I, the Amazon optimization. I'm like, okay, I can, I, I feel comfortable, comfortable with that. It's the ads that starts to throw me off. But I hope there are people out there who listen and they're like, okay, um, I, I can handle this. They're, they're more, they're smarter than I am, I guess. <laughs> um, so thank you again, Chelsea. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope everyone has a wonderful day and thank you for listening. Thank you so much.